Two weeks ago, I started a series called Why Are You Still Here? And last week we preached a message that the Lord laid on my heart specifically for last Sunday. But today we're going to get back to this little two-part series uh, that, that God has uh, laid on my heart. It's a series about, it's asking a question that I believe God is asking me and I believe he's asking you the same question. And the, the question is, why are you still here? Now, now, when I say that, I'm not talking about being still here in Marion, Arkansas, or whatever city you may be uh, living in at, at this point in your life. I, I'm not talking about why are you still here on this earth? Why are you still alive? I'm talking about you and me spiritually. Why are we where we are? Because if we're on a quest to be everything that God wants us to be in this life, then there are going to be times that God will ask us, why are you still here when I want you to be over there? Uh, why are you still in this place? Why have you not moved? Why, why are you still here when you should be over there? So that's what we're dealing with. And so would you just take a moment and pray together with me and let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word today. Father, I pray, Lord God, in, in the name of Jesus, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would change us, God, that you would, you would get rid of the lethargy in our lives, get rid of any apathetic spirit that's holding us back from becoming all that you want us to be. God, I pray that you will do miracles, that you would push your church into the next level of what you have for us to do. And I believe you for all of this. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, two weeks ago, we talked about Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, and, and, and it's where it says that, uh, th th that it was evening and then morning, and that made up the first day, and then evening and morning made up the second day, and evening and morning made up the third day, and evening and morning made up the fourth day, and so on. And, and, and the question we asked was, what was the first part of each day? Well, the first part was evening. So it was not day and night was the first day, but it was evening and morning was the first day, meaning that our, our nights, our nights are God's beginnings. So God begins in our nights, he, 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 in, our, in our winter times, in our trials, in our struggles, that's when he begins to work in our lives. Now, now this is good news for us because there are some of us that are in that place right now. God, we're in the place of darkness, we're in the place of trouble, and God begins in our darkness and he brings about the night, the, excuse me, brings about the light next. It's in the darkness that he begins. In, in the evening, it, 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 there's dark and then there's light. God says, I'll start in the darkness, but we're going to end up in the night. And that's good news for us. Amen. So we see that there's darkness first and then there's light. There's death and then there's life. There's, there's, you, you lose your life and then you, you find your life. There's the old wineskin and, and then there's the new wineskin. So we see this cycle run through the Bible repeatedly. This is the biblical pattern of the way God works in our lives. God deals with us in, in different cycles throughout our lifetimes. He deals with us uh, th uh, through those, these negative experiences and brings us into a, a positive blessing in our lives. We talk about Hebrews, where it says in, in Hebrews 10, 9, Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. And then this is the phrase we, we zeroed in on. It says, he, will, he does away with the first in order to establish the second. He does away with the first 
in order to establish the second. So something has to be taken away in order for us to, to see something established in our lives that is better. Uh, li- listen, I, I, need you to, I need you to hear this, this this morning. Some of you have to get rid of something in your life if you're going to move on to the next level in your life. He takes away the old in order to establish the new. So, so let me show you what it says in Luke. In Luke chapter 5, Verse 37 says, and, and no one puts on new, uh, excuse me, no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. You know what that says? It says that nobody likes to change. Nobody likes to change. But, but I'm here to tell you this morning that you're going to have to change. Well, well, why do I have to change? Well, you have to change because you said you wanted to be a Christian. You said you wanted to be a disciple. You said you wanted to be a child of God. You said you wanted to be a follower of Jesus. So, so what do you think God is going to do? L- listen, if I'm the coach of a team and you decide that you want to play on my team, a- am I going to just uh, let you sit on the bench and not tell you to do anything and not try to change anything uh, about you, the way you play the game? Or, or am I supposed to actually coach you? You know, if you're not going to let me coach you, then, then you just take your uniform off and go sit back in the bleachers and watch the game. But if you're going to play on the team, then I'm going to have to change some things in your life. You're, you're going to have to work out more and we're going to have to work on technique and we're going to have to change things about the way that you do things in in your life. And and, and so I want you to understand you are destined to change. So we we have to get past that. We get over that. You know, and a lot of people, they don't like change. You know, I I know of a pastor in his church, they they went to multiple services. The church had grown and grown and they went to multiple services and they had an early morning service and they announced that they were going to rope off certain sections in the early morning service because uh, the crowd was smaller and and so they were going to rope off some of the outer sections and and that way everybody would be sitting toward the middle uh, of the sanctuary in the middle section you know i mean have you ever been to a stadium uh, where, where there was just a few people sitting all over the stadium. I mean, in that setting, there's just no energy. Uh, there, there's no, uh, there's no uh, fun. There's no energy in that situation. And, and, and they're scattered around and the energy is dispersed. I mean, that's why they put students in one section at, at college football games because if they're spread all around, then they lose their, the energy and, the, and the, the sound from all being together. So anyway, this pastor wanted to get everybody in the middle of the section, in the middle section of the church. And, and so he, he tells the people in that early morning service that he's going to move them to the middle section. And he announces for, for four weeks in a row, they announce that they're going to rope it off and move everybody to the middle so that they could be closer together and, and would have a, a, more, a greater sense of energy in the service. And, and after four weeks of announcing that, they finally did it. And they actually roped it off. And, and they moved people from where they were sitting. And there were people that, that actually got upset. They got angry. And they left the church because they had to move from one seat to another seat. They said, you, I can't believe you're hurting us around like animals. You, you just got to leave me alone because I want to sit where I want to sit. Don't tell me to move. Don't, don't tell me that if unsaved people come into this church and fill it up. And don't tell me that, if, that I might have to move if our church is, is filling up because we're in the middle of a, of a revival. I shall not be moved. 
Well, you know, isn't it just silly some of the things that people get mad about and, and leave the church over? But let me just make it plain. You're going to have to change. We're all going to have to change. I don't care what you're, what you're doing. I don't care what you're involved with. I don't, I don't care uh, what, you're, what, you, uh, what your ministry is. You're just going to have to change. Everybody has to change. God's going to make sure you change. Listen, in every new beginning of our life, it seems like there's something dying. It seems like there's something that, that's going away that's, that's, that's bad. There always feels like there's some, some, some sense of disorder. There's always confusion. There's always some kind of darkness. There's a, there's a sense of loss. There's this, there's this kind of a negative feeling experience through, uh, through that. And, you know, but the truth is, if I took a survey of, of uh, people in church and asked them and said, Hey, how did you come to Christ? M most of you would share that it was a difficult situation that, that, that you were going through in your life that, that brought you to church because things were not going well. You know, it wasn't that you were sitting around saying, man, I've got money coming out of my ears and, and I, I've got a house that's so big that I haven't even been in all the rooms in my house. And I've got so many cars in the driveway, I can't figure out which one I want to drive today. And, and, and you know what I want to do? I want to just go to church today and, and, and get saved. That's what I want to do. I want to become a Christian because I'm so happy. Well, no, for most of us, that's not true. For most of us, you, you were miserable. You had no purpose. You were strung out on drugs. You were, uh, you'd been arrested. You, you, you lost your family or, or were about to lose your family. Your, your kids didn't like you. Your marriage was falling apart. You had strongholds in your life. And you said, God, I need your help. That's why you came. You didn't walk into church and, and, and say, well, everything is going good in my life. No, you were broken. That's why we came. That's how we came. We were broken and we were living in darkness. And what did that darkness do in our lives? The darkness brought us into the light. I didn't have any purpose before I was saved. I, I was living uh, like the movie Groundhog Day. It was, it was day after day after day, just the same way, the same way, the same way, the same way. And, 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 and if this is all that life is, it was, I don't want this. There's got to be something more. And so we decided to get saved. You know, we tried life the other way. We, we did it the other way and found out that it was just not satisfying to us. But when Jesus came in, all of a sudden we had life and all of a sudden we had purpose. Now, if, if I'm going to progressively move toward the image and the character and the attitude of Christ, the truth is there is no other pathway for me to take. He's going to shut the door on some things. He's going to turn out the lights and he's going to start shaping you into his likeness. And I'm just telling you that that's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to tell, listen, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know, but I am saying something that many of us have not surrendered to in his plan. This is the way God cycles things. God has seasons in our life. Uh, you know, and, and when I learn that, that God has seasons and that there are cycles and that there are processes that he moves us through, then that means in the middle of it, I don't get upset anymore. I, I, I realize that when I walk through these difficult times, after the darkness, there's going to come a morning. After the darkness, there's going to be light. And so, so I know that when there's darkness... I know I'm not going to stay in that darkness because I'm going to cycle out of that and God is going to move me to something else. When, and when I move to something else, 
I know that that's an announcement of a new day. God is about to do something new in my life. Back in January of 2017, I went through a season. I had some issues with my heart and, and didn't know it. I, I had some minor symptoms and, and they ran tests and, and they finally figured out there was something going on in there, but I, I still didn't think it was very serious. I, I remember eventually going into the heart cath and, and, and I was thinking to myself, this is really no big deal. Uh, they're going to take me in there. They're going to run this test and they'll put a stent in and, and then I'll be in here for a couple of days and it'll be all over with and, and no big deal. But I didn't know that I had over 70% blockage in three arteries and 100% blockage in another one. Well, I woke up in that cath lab and the doctor was, was telling me, as I was coming out of the anesthesia, the doctor was telling me that they were going to have to trans me, transfer me over to MUSC, Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina. And they, they were going to transfer me there because I needed open heart surgery and they were going to have to do three or maybe four bypasses. I, I remember looking around the room thinking, he must be talking to somebody else. He can't be talking to me. Well, to make a long story short, I... I got over to MUSC and eventually that week they did the surgery and I was there for a few days and they, they sent me home. But, but after I got home, the thing was, all I could do for the most part was just lie around the house and recover. That's all I could do. And, and as you're lying there in those kind of situations, you know, I'm thinking, am I going to be okay? Is my heart going to be okay? What's going to happen to me through this? And, and you're just, you just begin to wonder what's going to happen in your life. Well, that was the time when God said, good, good, good. Now, I, 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 now that I can, I've got you slowed down enough, now we can finally talk. And I, I remember thinking, well, God, you know, you don't have to kill me. I, I'll listen. Well, he put me in a bed where I couldn't do anything. He said, you're not going to preach. You're not going to teach. You're not going to do anything. You're going to lie in bed and you're going to recover. And, and while you're recovering, while you don't have any say-so in the whole, uh, whole situation, you and I are going to have a talk. You have, you have been avoiding things that I want to do in you and I want to do through you and I want you to quit it. So, so all of a sudden, I'm in this dark stage in my life here. I'm in the dark point in my life and, and God's got me listening. And I began to realize that, that we, we only get one shot at this life and that most of us waste hours and days and months and even years because we never get around to pursuing the things that God says that he wants us to pursue and we never get around to pursuing the God the things that God lays on our hearts listen the truth is I don't know how much time I have left on this planet but what I do know is I don't want to waste that time I don't want to waste that time, that, that time on things that don't matter. I don't, I don't want to waste my time on, on, on getting upset and, and fighting over things that do not matter and never will matter throughout all of eternity. I don't want to waste my time pursuing things that make me comfortable in this world and accomplish nothing in the life to come. I don't want to waste my time storing up treasures on earth when I could be storing up my treasure in heaven. I, I want my life to be used up telling people about a Savior who loves them and who, who died for them on the cross and was raised from the dead and he can forgive their sin and he can give them a new life today. I want to die empty. 
I want to die empty. I I don't want to have anything left in the tank that I could have given for the cause of Christ. I don't want to stand before the throne of God and have Him say, well, you didn't quite get everything. I, I don't want to have to look at Him and say, well, I could have done this or I could have done that. I could have offered this. I want to be able to say, Lord, I don't have anything left to give because I've already given it to You. Listen, God took me to a dark place and He took me through that dark place so that he could bring me to a new place. He he took away the old in order to establish the new. I'm telling you, God has a purpose in the cycle. He has a purpose. Whenever God takes away something, he will always establish something new. My nights are God's beginnings. I mean, listen, how are you going to know that God heals unless you get sick? You say, well... I don't like sickness. Well, God doesn't either. That's why he's a healer. And if you stay well all of your life, you'll never know the healer. You'll know about healing power, but you'll never know the the healer through experiencing his actual healing touch on your life. If you never walk through trouble in this life, how do you know that he's triumphant? If If you never face a battle, how do you know that he's more than a conqueror? You're going to have to walk through something to learn the depths of God and learn the depths of who He is. You know, I think we really should tell our, our new Christians that the honeymoon season of following Christ is not going to last for the rest of your life. We, we've got to we tell the body of Christ that it's, it's not just a bed of roses and, and ice cream for the rest of our lives. You, you, there are times, listen, you're going to have to go through hell and high water from time to time. But when you do, the, 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 that night will turn into a morning if you'll just hold on to Jesus. You have to hold on through the cycle because the day is coming and there, there is a new day on the way. God's allowing you to walk through something so that you can have something better in your life. So God is saying, why are you still here when you should be over there? I'm trying to take you through, take something out of your life. And as I do that, I'm going to be bringing you through this darkness to get you through to the light. Just let me have my way. He says, quit fighting with me as I deal with you. And he will deal with all of us. And God doesn't care who you are. He doesn't doesn't consider how much money you have to decide if he's going to do it in your life. He doesn't consider what position you have. He doesn't consider your race or your success or your talent or your giftedness or your anointing. He doesn't care about any of that. Everybody will go through their nights. And it doesn't matter if you you go to work riding a bicycle or a BMW, you're going to go through your nights. He's not going to pity you if you're poor, and he's not going to pamper you if you're rich. You're going to have to go through your nights. You may speak in tongues more than anybody else, or you may never speak in tongues, but you're going to go through your nights. It doesn't matter. It's inevitable. You're going to walk through it no matter who you are. So the question is not whether or not you're going to have to go through them. It's inevitable. You're going to go through some nights. The question is, how, you were, how will you respond to your night? How do you respond? Is it, a, is it going to become a stumbling block to you? Are you going to quit going to church because things didn't happen the way that you thought they should? Or, or is it going to become a stepping stone for you? Are you going to use it as a, as a pit to fall into? Or is it going to become a mountain which you can climb? 
Are you going to become bitter and upset at God and at everybody around you? Or are you going to get better? Well, how could that person do that to me? How could they do that to me? Are, are you ready for the answer? God allowed it. God allowed it. Do you realize that God holds your destiny? He holds my destiny. He holds my future. He holds your future. He's in charge. God allows things to happen. Uh, let me just take you through this. Joseph, he gets a dream. He's, the dream says your, your dad is going to bow down before you. Your brothers are going to bow down before you. You're going to be a great man. And that's a great dream. That's a wonderful and a powerful dream. But then all of a sudden, God basically turned the lights out and put him into darkness. And, and, and he put him into slavery and then into jail for 17 years. And you say, what do you mean God didn't, God didn't do that? Yes, he did. Because Joseph said what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And God looked at the situation and he said, listen, the the only way I can get him to the place I need him to be, to be able to preserve the line of Israel, to be able to preserve the line, that's, the nation that's going to produce the Savior of the world, the only way I can get him from Israel as this younger brother to a ruler in Egypt is if I take him through the dark night of the soul, and if I take him through that, then I can get him where I want him to be. Joseph had to go through the darkness to get to the light. And you have to go through darkness to to get to the light. You know, some of you need to realize that life is not going to be a bed of roses. You're not going to sit in the light all the time. You may as well uh, know this. You're going to go through some nights. Joseph needed some training before he began reigning. You need to get some training to be able to reign. You need to walk through something so that you can eventually reign, but you can't get there and reign over something unless you've been trained in something. In the darkness, Joseph learned how to serve. He learned how to humble himself. He learned how to run business. He learned how to handle money. He, he learned under false accusation, and he learned in the dampness of a jail cell. And he was a better man when he came out than he was before he went in. See, some of you Wonder because you had some wonderful prophecy in your life and you, you've sinned and you think you've blown it, but let me just give you some hope. God still holds your destiny. God hasn't given up on you. He will still work with you if you'll just cry out to Him and say, have mercy on me. God will still work with you. God is not done with you. God is not finished with you. You have not blown it. His calling is still on your life. He's not finished with you. Your destiny is still in the hands of God. My destiny is still in the hands of God. You know, when a little child is afraid of the dark, what does that child usually do? That child, when they're afraid of the dark, they, they like to run to their mommy and they like to run to their daddy and they're in the middle of their fear. And I want you to know that in the midst of your darkness, God wants you to learn to run to him instead of running away from him in the darkness. You see, a lot of times we think we're there and we think our sin has separated us from God and that we're afraid to go to him. He says, I want you to run to me, not run from me. The evenings of life will lead you into the mornings of life if you just hold on. See, if, if God tears down this one thing, then he will build up something new that's better. 
If God roots it up, then he will replant something new. If God brings night, then what is he going to do? He's going to bring a morning. God takes away to establish something better. He takes away the old to establish the new. This is a cycle. I mean, Daniel, you look at Daniel. Daniel is thrown into the lion's den at night. He doesn't have any kind of lion insurance in his life. He didn't, you know, he didn't know the end of the story. He couldn't read the end of the chapter. All he knows is that everybody that gets thrown into a den full of hungry lions ends up getting eaten. That's how the story ends. Some of you are in that lion's den right now. You're in a dark place. You live in a hard place. You're in a place where lions are, are growling and lions are, are ready to eat you alive. And you just feel like you're just going to die tonight. But you need to realize that morning came for Daniel. And when he got up the next morning, when he woke up, the lions were lying down like kitty cats. And not one of them had bitten him. Not one of them did anything to him. Now they're his friends. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jonah was in the dark in the belly of the whale because of his arrogance and because of his disobedience. He wouldn't do what God had said to do. But the morning came and he got a, a new prophetic word and he went to Nineveh and he called them out and God changed the entire city. Jacob is wrestling with God at night. And he wakes up in the morning with a brand new name called Israel. Peter is denying Christ by a campfire at night. But then just a few mornings later, Jesus calls him a pastor and says, you're going to lead my church. We have little Mary. She was pregnant. And now she has birth pains at night. But in the morning, that, that little baby uh, was born. The, the baby named Jesus was born. I'm telling you, every darkness turns into light. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane in the nighttime. And, and they, they pull him out of the tomb. They, excuse me, they put him into that tomb at night. But in the morning, just three days later, on a Sunday morning, he rose up. And on that morning, our resurrection and life came up out of that grave. See, when God takes away something new, Excuse me, when God takes away something, he's going to establish something new. He's going to establish something better. And, and listen, something better is not a, a better house. Something better is not a nicer car. Something better is not more money. I'm not against any of those things, but that's not God's goal for your life. God's goal for your life is obedience. It's character. It's integrity. It's responding to situations the way that Jesus would respond. You know, as I look over my life, I see that the things I've gone through have removed so much out of my life, and that has helped me become who I am today. I mean, I would think at times in my life that God just didn't care. He doesn't care about me. Why, why would he let this happen in my life? But I realize he does care, and he lo does love me. And it's the process of God moving me from here to there. You have to remember something. Nothing comes inside the hedge of your life without God's permission. Nothing can come inside unless God allows it. You and, you and I are protected all the time. You say, you say, well, then why does this stuff happen? These things happen because God gives permission for them to happen. And you say, where do you get that? Well, I get it from Job. 
Satan goes to God and, and, and says, you have a hedge of protection around Job and I can't get to him because you have this hedge built around him and that's the only reason he even loves you is because you, you protect him so well. And, and then God says, okay, you can do something. But even then, he limits him and tells him what he can and what he can't do. He says, all right, you don't think he loves me? I'll tell you what, you can touch him, you can do anything, but you can't kill him. And Satan couldn't argue. He couldn't say, well, let me do this and that. I, I want to do this. That he had no, no, no argument. You have to understand where he is. God is on your side. You're coming through this thing. God permits things in your life so, in order to establish something better in your life. He says that he'll, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, so he's always with you. He, he wasn't speaking with Job as he went through the night, but the truth was he was still there. He wasn't speaking, but he wasn't absent. And many times, just because God doesn't speak, doesn't speak, we think he's not there. Well, listen to me. I want to tell you something. This can change your life if you can understand this. The teacher doesn't talk when they're giving a test. When, you, when you're taking a test, the teacher shuts up. You know, they, they talk and talk and talk the whole time, getting you prepared. And then when you start to take the test, they just stop talking anymore. And I don't want to hear your question. Uh, you had time to do that this week. Take the test. Don't say a word until you finish. And some of us are going through a test right now. And in the middle of the test, God is trying to teach you something. You know, the truth is it's easy to see God in the morning. But I want you to learn to see God in the nighttime. If you, I want you to learn to, to see God when things are rough. I, I, you know, I appreciate Miriam, the, the sister of Moses. I appreciate that she played the tambourine and sang and danced after the Israelites went across the Red Sea. You know, after the miracle of the Red Sea parting, then Miriam danced around with the tambourine. She sang a song of praise. But I'm here to tell you she's singing on the wrong side of the sea because she should have been playing her tambourine. She should have been singing on the Egyptian side of the Red Sea because if she really knew who God was in the middle of that darkness when Pharaoh's army is coming and it looks like they're not going to make it, that's when she needed to be praising God in that moment because her deliverer was going to come through for them. I, I, that's, that's the reality of it. You understand what I'm saying? You need to praise God in the middle of your darkness. Paul and Silas begin to praise him in the darkness at midnight, and by the time morning came, God had already let them out of jail and saved a whole family of the jailer. You have to understand that when you're walking through your darkness, that's when you need to praise God the most. Don't wait until you've been released to thank God for what you've done. Thank God for wherever you are right now, anytime, anywhere. Thank him not just for what he's done, but thank him in advance because you know that after the darkness, there's going to come daylight and after the evening, there's going to come morning. Look at Romans 8. Romans 8, 35 says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or, or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? What can separate us from the love of Jesus? Trouble? No, no, that trouble can't do it, he says. Persecution? No, that won't do it. 
I don't have any food, so apparently he doesn't love me. Nope, nope, hunger's not going to do it. Nakedness or poverty? No, that won't do it. How about danger? How about violent death? No, they can't separate us from his love. The one who, give, who, 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 the one who loves us gives us overwhelming victory in the middle of darkness. Paul said it like this in verse 37. He said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He gives me victory in my darkest times. You know, a mark of maturity is to see that God is in the middle of everything that is going on in my life. God is in my nights. God is in my distress. God is in every one of my circumstances. And you have to see God in the middle of your problems. God says that days begin with night and then he, he leads us to something new. In Psalm 120, it says, in my distress... I called to the Lord and he answered me. You have to let go of the old in order to get something new. God is not going to, God is going to move you away from, uh, from certain things in your life. And there's going to come darkness that, that will come your way. And that's just part of the cycle. But you have to learn to just praise him no matter what is taking place in your life. You, you know what we have to do? We have to learn to be a no matter what worshiper. Don't worship him after you get the raise. Worship him before you get the raise. Don't worship him after you get the healing. Worship him before you receive the healing. Worship him before the need is met. Worship him before the answer comes. When you're still wondering what's going to happen, worship him in that moment. Say to yourself, I'm going to thank God no matter what. It doesn't matter if it's good or if it's bad. It doesn't matter if it's sunny or if it's rainy. It doesn't matter if it's day or if it's night. This is the right time to praise God. There's not some good time and bad times to praise, praise the Lord. Every day, in every circumstance, is the right time to praise Him. And you've got to learn to do that. Now I'm going to read you one more scripture. Look what it says in Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry, cry for help. He says, I, I waited patiently. We, we don't like that word, patiently. I mean, why couldn't he have just said, I waited? Why did he have to say waited patiently? Because we're not very good at, at waiting patiently, are we? You know, I, 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 listen, how many of you, 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 you've gone to the doctor's office or the dentist's office and, and you scurry around, you try to get the, the kids to school on time and then you're rushing around to try to get to your appointment by nine o'clock in the morning and, and you, you, you get the kids in the car and you, 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 you get uh, them dropped off and you finally get to the doctor's office and you run in and you're just barely gonna make it in time and you get there and then you have to wait an hour. And you're thinking to yourself, I could have I slept in an extra hour. I didn't have to rush around. I had another hour to wait. You, but you told me to be here by 9 o'clock. You know what I do? Whenever a doctor or a dentist wants to ever see me in my office, I, I set an appointment and I make them wait an hour when they show up. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really do that. Uh, I, I, I've been tempted, but I've never, never, never ever done that. But listen, we, we, just, we just don't wait patiently. We don't like that. But waiting patiently, that's the key. That, that's important. We, we don't do that very well. We wait begrudgingly. We, we wait critically. We wait angrily. We wait, but we don't wait very well. David says, I have waited patiently for the Lord. I mean, think about our own lives in reality. I mean, how many of you, how many of you, can't, stand, uh, it, it, you, how many of you can't stand in line at the grocery store? 
You know what I'm talking about. I know what you do. You, you finish filling up your grocery cart, or as we say down south, your buggy. And you, you fill it up, and you're getting ready to check out, and what do you do? You start looking at every checkout line that's open. And of course, if it's Walmart, there's only one to choose from anyway. But, but, but aside from that, it, it, you, you start looking at every checkout line to, to, to see, and you start looking and say, okay, now how many, how many people are in these lines? And you try to figure out which one's going to go the fastest. I mean, you're looking at the, reg, at the cashiers, and you're saying, okay, that one's a rookie. He's going to go slow. There's, there's an old-timer. I'm going to go through that line because they know what they're doing. And so you finally pick a line, and you get in that line and then all of a sudden as soon as you get in that line something goes wrong and it slows down and you see that line is going faster and you and you eventually start thinking to yourself man I could have been checked out by now I know how you do I do the same thing I mean I know I know what you're like because I, I know what you do you get in the 10 item or less line and you look at the baskets of the people in front of you and you start counting the items and if they got 11 in there you're like I can't believe people I just I know you because I'm the same way. But God says, be patient in life. He says, be patient. He said, wait patiently. And we can't even handle the grocery line. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and heard my cry. Well, why did he turn to me? He turned to me because I was waiting with the right spirit. I was waiting with, waiting with the right attitude. See, if I was upset and I was shaking my fist at God and, 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 you know, listen, the truth is that doesn't motivate him. It's not like he looks at him and says, oh, oh, Dave is upset at me. I better do what he wants. You know, that's not what he does. He's not moved by that at all. But he says that if I, if I have the right spirit, if I wait patiently, if I'm standing on his word, then he will hear my cry for help. Then it says in verse 2, he pulled me out of the horrible pit, out of the mud and clay. He set my feet on a rock and made my steps secure. You listen, he didn't just pull me out of a pit he pulled me out of a horrible pit he pulled me out of a horrible situation and he pulled some of you out of situations and relationships things that that could have messed up your life people that would have taken you down a road of destruction God has but but instead God has moved you and he's picked you out of a horrible pit and he moved you out of that relationship he he took you out of the world and placed you into the church he, he's helping you is what he says here and he says he pulled me out of, the, out of the mud and clay. Some versions say he pulled me out of the miry clay. And if you're in the miry clay, here's what I know. What that means is it's so thick that you're stuck. And sometimes you feel stuck. And the truth is only God can pull me out of that. Nobody else can do it. You know, I, I can't blame the pastor. Well, he didn't call me when I, was, when I was not feeling well. So-and-so didn't shake my hand at church. God is the only one that can pull you out. You've got to quit depending on people. God says, look to me. He pulled me out and set my feet on a rock. And my steps are secure. Look what he says. By doing that. You can't stay the same. You can't sing the same. You can't talk the same. You can't think the same way anymore. There's something new that comes in. God brings you out of the horrible pit. He pulls you out of the mud and clay, the miry clay. He pulls you out of the darkness into something new. Look what he says, verse 3. He placed a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see this in worship. They will trust the Lord. A new song. But that song is not a, a song of criticism. That song is not a song of doubt. It's not a song of complaint about everything that's going on in your life and everything that's bad. He said that it's a song of praise to God. Listen, I have a question for you. 
When was the last time that, that you praised God and worshiped God and that you honored God in the midst of your darkness? You held on to Him and began to praise Him when that job wasn't coming, when you didn't know how you're going to make ends meet, when the need that, that was the, the thing that was needed wasn't happening. As you go through this, He says, when you do this, you're not acting like the world. You're acting the way God wants you to act and the world sees it. And when the world sees you responding with praise in the midst of the darkness, they look at you and say, that is unusual behavior. They say it's strange for somebody to be living with such joy and such peace in the midst of something so dark. And you say, yeah, I, I've just learned to praise him, whether it's rainy or sunny, whether it's stormy or whether it's clear. I've learned to praise him at all times because I know God is taking me from this place into another place. And, and so I can worship him in the middle of it because that's what he's doing and God uses that and they begin to say that's what I want that's what I want in my life listen I want you to know God is going to be working on you for your entire life I know this is true in my life I haven't risen to a point in my life where I can say that God is through through with me I can't say he's done with me I can't say I'm perfect if I did say that my wife would call me a liar and she'd be right. I, I can't say that. But even as you get older, he's still working on you. You're not going to reach some point in your life where he's done shaping you, where he's done molding you. Uh, you have to allow him to do that. And what I'm saying to you this morning is, don't stop allowing God to change you. Don't get stuck in a place in your life because things are bad. Or, or even worse, don't get stuck in a place in your life because it's comfortable. Don't, don't stop allowing Him to change you. You know, I have more things in my life that I need to do now than I've ever had in, ever in my life before. God is not through with me, and He is not through with you. God is not through with you. I said, God is not through with you. So don't just sit back. Don't just attend church somewhere, but realize that there is something that he's walking you through right now to get you to another place in life. And let him do the work he's trying to do in, inside of you. And you're watching this right now, wherever you are, I don't know, whether it's in your home or on your phone, in an office, makes no difference. But maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, maybe you'd say, Pastor, I, I need to get rid of some old habits. Pastor, I, I need to get rid of an old life. I need to get rid of some old sin. I need to put on something new in my life. You need Jesus to take you out of darkness. Listen, God is not here to punish you. He's here to cleanse you. He, he's not here to harm you. He's here to, to, to renew you. He's here to forgive you. He's here to love you. He's here to change you. And if you allow him, he will take you from that horrible pit He'll take you from that horrible mess and he'll turn it around for good. Let him take away the old in order to establish something better, something new in your life. Listen, people need to, uh, in your life, they don't need to see you, but they need to see Jesus in you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to ask yourself, are, they, are people seeing Jesus in me? And if not, then let's get this cleared up right now. This is the time in your life that he wants to take away the old in order to establish something better. 
Listen, I want something better to happen in your life than where you are right now. So wherever you are, if if you're just thinking to yourself, Pastor, I need to pray and I need to ask God for his help. I need to unload some things from my past. I need to let some things go. I need to let let walk through, finish walking through the night to get to the new. I need to, to walk through the evening to get to the morning. I need to give everything to God. Listen, if you're dragging some old sin around or some old stuff in your life, it's time to let go of the old so that he can give you something better. And I want to pray with you right where you are. I I can't ask you to raise your hand. I can't ask you to come to an altar. But I can ask you right where you are to make an altar in your heart to be able to just say, I'm going to close myself in. I'm going to pray. I want to talk to God. And you can do that right where you are. So I want to pray with you. If you're a Christian and you realize you've been stuck and that you, you ha- you're not moving forward, you need to pray. You need to say, God, you need to, uh, I'm willing. You change me. Do what you want to do. But I want to pray with you. And if that's your heart, if, you, if you're far from God, now's the time to say, just say, God, I want to come home. If you're a Christian and you haven't let him change you, now's the time to say, Lord, I surrender. I repent before you. But right where you are, I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the hope that comes from your word. That we know, Lord God, that, there, that, that after the darkness comes light, that you're, you take away the old to bring something new. And God, right now there are some that may be walking through times of darkness. And you're taking them through those times because there's something better that you want to do in their life. And you're working to remove something. You're you're dealing with them about letting go of something from the past because you want to give them something new and something fresh, something powerful, something better. And Lord God, I pray in this moment that there would just be that moment of surrender where we'd say, okay, God, I let go. And if there's somebody that's, that, that's, that's watching this or listening this, to this and they say, I'm far from God and I'm, I, my life is full of darkness, I pray, God, in this moment, they would just simply turn to you and say, Jesus, here I am. I'm a sinner. I, I've, I surrender my life to you. I believe that you can change my life. I give myself to you. Please forgive me of my sin. And God, wherever we are, wherever anyone is, I pray that you'd have your way. And Lord, I ask that you would work do your work, that you would change us, make us like Christ, lead us to the place where you want us to go. And we ask all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.